Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode six of Skewed Perspective. I'm your host, Caesar, and we're back with another episode in 2020. So that means a whole number of events happening because 2020 doesn't stop. You know how it is. Pack five more years worth of events into the next few months, probably. But anyway, it's August 30th, 2020. We're going to keep the theme of an NBA update going with this one. Um, on August 27th, uh, during, the NBA, during the NBA playoffs, uh, teams boycotted, or I guess it was a strike. I don't know. I've seen both terms thrown around, but um, games weren't played. I started with the Bucks. Uh, not coming out uh, during their playoff matchup against the Orlando Magic. They stayed in their locker rooms, and then um, basically all the teams followed suit and, and didn't play as uh, in protest to the uh, Jacob Blake shooting in uh, Wisconsin, which is why um, the Bucks have that connection. I, um, they felt compelled to, uh, you know, to not play the game, being from Wisconsin. Um Anyways, this was a pretty huge moment, I think. Um, just in general, I mean, you know, it got everybody's attention for sure. I mean, they were interviewing players after their games that day, and um, like a huge reason the players wanted to play down in the bubble and finish out the season is, I think, to highlight the um, highlight all the social issues that they wanted to. And um, this kind of happening while they're down there, you know, is a, I guess it pushed the players to, to have some sort of statement and do something. So they didn't play any games on the 27th on Thursday. And then um, they didn't play any games on Friday either. But I think, when was it? Thursday night they had a players meeting um, where they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Anyways. Ultimately, uh, they decided to uh, continue playing the season and uh, use um, the playoffs as a platform. Continue using it as a platform, I should say. Um, apparently, that Thursday meeting was kind of messy, you know. Opinions and uh, takes thrown around by all sorts of players, you know. Um, but uh, they, um, some of the leadership for the players... They, um, you know, they took the night, slept on it. Always a good call. And uh, they, I guess they, some of them even reached out to uh, to Obama for some input on what they should do. And so that's how they arrived at, you know, um, continuing to play the season. But uh, also, you know, get the owners involved, which I think is probably one of the biggest things. You know, so these players are obviously getting paid a large amount of money. Millions. But... It's millionaires being aware that billionaires can make more change. So getting the owners involved is huge. Um, I know Steve Ballmer, owner for the LA Clippers, um, is a like was one of the what would you call them owners at at the forefront. Um, you know, putting forth uh, like things you could look at. You know, actual contributions to certain organizations or what have you um, to address social issues 
so having him be one of the i think he's one of the richest donors um be involved and publicly do things like that is really good and um so when players uh demanded i don't know if they demanded but they they wanted um more owner uh, involvement with everything going on and what they want to do um getting all those funds and you know as as much as you want to criticize uh, the fact that money does get shit done um even legislatively um getting 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 that funding is huge and at least you know the backing if you want to call it that from the owners so they ended up uh continuing the playoffs um but um agreeing to turn all the arenas all the nba arenas into voting location for the upcoming election um so they're turning um i i don't know if it's all of them i believe it's all of them but it might be uh some there might be some sort of stipulation um if they don't own it or whatever but most of uh the arenas will be turned into voting places um you know since they're so big it'll allow for people to do it safely um spaced out and at least for la the staple center is going to be available for i believe a period of five days which to me is freaking awesome i'm like if they, they should have a voting week um or they should have voting day be a national holiday I think the only reason why it's on a Tuesday is because um, back in the day, like in order to cast your vote, like uh, you you would have to begin the journey um, on the weekend or no, yeah, after the weekend. So so you started on Saturday, um, Monday's travel, and then you were able to cast your ballot on Tuesday. This is the only it's like a super archaic reason why we have to vote on Tuesday. But anyways, that's besides the fact um, they um, they're allowing all these days for people to cast their votes, um, you know, mail drop off locations as well. Um, so if you already have your ballot, you just boom, drop off that bad boy at uh, at the Lakers arena because, you know, it makes you that much cooler. But that's pretty huge, um, you know, having all those venues be places for voting. Um in a time where there's so much there's so many questions surrounding the mail-in system and all this stuff and it's probably going to be a contentious election already even if these factors weren't involved um so great action uh items by the mba i think they also formed a some sort of committee or group or you know formed with a couple of reps from each team uh members of the board of governors and some other members from the the interested groups um there's that 12 o'clock uh santa fe horn for you guys just so you know where we are recording from let me just let this shit play out and still going and there it is all right 12 o'clock anyways um, so they formed that group, and I think getting the other leagues, because the, the MLS, the WNBA, the MLB, they all um, they all postponed games as well and um, have s- had some sort of protest or did something. So I think, I think getting those leagues involved is great. 
And then I think the big one is going to be the NFL. If the NFL can make some sort of big moves um, to get like legislation or like things that require money and will produce change in some sort of short term and long term um, will be big if you can get the NFL owners involved. That's I think it's probably the, a big ask at this point, given the history of the owners in the NFL. But influencing other leagues is uh, is going to be a huge ripple um, by the NBA boycott slash strike. Um, but there are a couple of things to be wary of, I think, especially with the whole trying to produce change. Um, we want to make sure, I think, that we don't push things that are kind of ideologically driven, especially during this time. Because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, I think, um, in terms of ideology on the left side of the political spectrum. With the whole uh, social justice and uh, woke movement, or, you know, there's so many labels you can kind of put on it right now. And I don't know which one to go with. Um, so it's kind of, you know, a little vague. But there's a lot of, like, cult-like stuff going on with um, with with these things. Um, like anti-racism is one of those things where just that face value sounds really good. Yeah, of course, you're opposed to racism. But um, when you kind of look a little deeper at what is actually being said and talked about within anti-racism, it's a little troubling, at least to me. I'm like, there's just not racism to be found in every single interaction. But that would, that's what anti-racism makes things out to be, at least from what I've seen. Um, and I'm sure there's more, but it it's kind of like uh, it's setting you, you up to be like, okay, yeah, how can you be opposed to something like that, to anti-racism? But, I mean, there's a lot of that, <laughs> there's a lot of that um, with uh, the ideas, you know. It's like conform or be called out the whole cancel culture situation and just disagreeing with anything that at face value seem okay you know is gonna um, affect you negatively at least in the in the current culture so it's conform or be called out it doesn't seem healthy and the whole indoctrination of ide- of these ideas um, is is I think helped out a lot by uh, social media um, you know everybody's on Instagram everybody's on Twitter and you can push these little read this read that educate yourself and it's a bunch of you know points that they're telling you to remember this is what you can say in these situations so it's a lot of memorization versus understanding what you're pushing and that's 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 indoctrination I think into into this um these ideas because i don't think a lot of people do understand and have good intentions but again the road to hell is paid with good intentions um with um pushing these uh things and i'm kind of speaking in abstractions because it's hard to just pull up specific um examples which i should have 
um, of these posts. But it's not allowing for disagreement in a lot of these uh, accounts or people that are sharing these things. And I think it's it's very reminiscent of like McCarthyism. You know, back in the the huge uh, was it? I don't know if it's called the Red Scare. But uh, when everybody's uh, afraid of communism and you know McCarthy, the whole um, getting blacklisted um, for being accused of uh, being a communist, which I guess now the analog is being called a racist or an apologist for behaviors or certain people, um, or just being called a fascist and all these things being done without an actual understanding of those terms, I think. And the blacklist now, I guess, is just deplatforming. You know, you're you're going to be banned from this service or that service, um, which is the only way people sort of get their ideas out or their thoughts out, wrong or right, whatever they may be. But now deplatforming is um is what's going on and it's just kind of troubling even if you know some of these uh people are saying some gross shit it's like now now the public forum isn't um writing in in the paper and people replying to it i guess in some sort of fashion or talking about it like just in the streets or however it was before uh social media and internet um just kind of took over um, it's, uh, it's no bueno. You gotta let people talk so you can hear the crazy shit they're saying. And stop radicalizing people. Because uh, all you're gonna give is th those, uh, people who support those crazy ideas and who are racist. Um, people to be like, look, see, see? They're just trying to shut us up. And it's no good. Just let the terrible shit exist. You know what? I don't know what the solution is, actually. But I just know silencing is probably not, not the way to go. You know, the whole canceling people, it's like you're giving them a purity test. No one... It's like who dictates how pure, how not pure you can be. And then applying the, the, the current social norms and just judging past figures with those is also not a good idea. Like, you know, we can't judge past figures of the past with our current standards because history is not going to look on us too kindly. So whoever's looking back at how we're behaving now is going to be like, can you believe this? So, you know, <laughs> retroactive canceling, is that a thing? It's not a good idea, not in my opinion. But even, even with all that... <laughs> Um, I do think there's good, but we, I, th I think, oh, one more thing to address, actually, the whole, uh, defunding the police, I do not think that's the solution, I mean, just look, uh, look at what's going on in New York and Seattle and Portland, all these crime rates going up, I do think there's over-policing in a lot of respects but i do still think we need a police department we can't we can't get rid of police officers we need them 
And I think what we should be looking for actually is, is better training, more training, and not just uh, not in like high level or high intensity situations as far as, you know, using firearms goes, but rather um, more training and a lot of training in in the type of situations you would expect. Okay, de-escalate here. Okay, what's going on here? Let's let's avoid everything or let's yeah, let's avoid use of firearms at all costs. So like the training they should be getting is like all this all these situations, situational training for you know, um pulling people over, um going into a um I don't know. I mean, whatever, who, whoever does the analytics for, you know, what most interactions are going to be and just talking, you know, people down of, of, uh, of doing things or whatever it is. I think that's what the, where the training should be focused and constant training and better candidates to be police officers. But I think that probably means more funding actually, if not maintaining, you have to pay these people, we should be paying officers way more for what they should be doing. But at the same time, like those standards have to be upheld. And um, like that, that obviously needs change. But I don't think people can keep saying defund the police and then say, but it actually means all these things. I'd rather people just say, this is what we should be doing. You know, get rid of the whole defund the police slogan or just line of thinking and say okay this is ref what reforming is and we need to kind of like in the budget just invest way more into for sure community programs things of that nature um, funding for mental health that's a huge one so all those things have to be there as well as police reform, but I think that you do have to actually end up paying officers better, do better training, more training, and of the right kind. Um, but I'm not down with the whole defunding the police. Sorry. And that's kind of what's been most uh, either upsetting or kind of frustrating with the current situation in this uh, opportunity for change where there's so much attention is that there hasn't been much clarity and we don't have any like go-to leaders for the movement who's reasonable who's uh like a very like a just outlining thing outlining things very clearly and reasonably and i don't know it's it's pretty frustrating but that's that whole thing I wanted to comment on um, some other potentially scary things happening actually but way more exciting to me is um, what's going on with Neuralink and Elon Musk if you don't want know what Neuralink is um, it's uh, this company Elon started um, basically the gist of it is uh, having this implant in your skull this chip um, and if you go to their website, the, I'll read this verbatim. The line that they have is uh, developing ultra-high bandwidth 
brain machine interfaces to connect humans and computers. So a human uh, computer interface where you can read all your read the brain activity and what they're reading is is uh, neural spikes. So you know all these uh, electrical inputs go into your neurons or whatever the mechanism is reading that and kind of seeing them uh, on a screen is what is what I saw at the demo that they had this week looks like radio waves like different frequencies on the screen and um, so having that implant would allow you to to read those and and display them but also stimulate those neurons with uh, with uh, electric charges from that implant so in this live demo they bring out these uh these pigs right these big <coughs> pigs and they're just moving around in the pan cute ass pigs and um, one of them had an implant you know had the Neuralink and um, the other one um, had a Neuralink before but at the demo it had been removed so just to you know show the behavior and um, they use these pigs, I guess, because um, they have a similar brain physiology to humans. So, the, and like the thickness of the skull, like uh, so, t so to test a procedure best, you know, um, before getting to actual humans, uh, they have a similar thickness in the skull, and um, I guess some other stuff uh, as far as the brain goes. Anyways, though, um, these pigs are just moving around, eating hay. Uh, one of the pigs didn't want to come out, so like the demo was, <laughs> it's like, okay, we gotta wait on this little pig, because pig's like, nah, I don't want to come out yet. I'm eating this hay back here. Anyways, um, so they they're uh, they're showing how you know they have the, the the pigs. I mean, it's basically indistinguishable as far as behavior goes while they're moving around these pens. But um, they show these clips of uh, of them tracking um, or reading these neural spikes, you know, reading these brain activity. Um, and it, they worked really well uh, reading reading the activity for certain things, like uh, because pigs use their snouts so much and they have a lot of uh, muscles there. Um, like uh, mapping that activity and mapping uh, a pig on a treadmill, being able to train a pig to to get on a treadmill and walk they're also able to map that um that 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 uh brain activity for the movement on a treadmill and so then they they uh they start showing um like this uh suggested or predicted uh movement so these waves um that they predict are gonna look like while the pig is on the on the treadmill and then the actual waves of the pig moving on the treadmill so you get those two data sets and um they just they kind of opens the door for like okay what can this do so if you're able to input these waves um at the same time or even have them ready to go before the brain actually would um you could uh, possibly give uh, people who've had like spinal injuries or paralysis the ability to walk and uh, get the movement back because you're able to stimulate those uh, those neurons with uh, whatever the necessary electric charges, um, so it's it, it's a bunch of crazy stuff. It was so fascinating to see that demo.
um, that was on YouTube. I think you can find it on, like I said, the Neuralink's channel. But I spent <laughs> I spent like a whole hour, two hours, whatever it was, just watching it on YouTube, listening. And uh, some of the possible things they could do is so crazy, so dope. Like with uh with like crazy injuries or just like a genetic uh, diseases as well. Um, like I said, with uh with the whole thing that they tracked on the treadmill, like um installing another Neuralink or I guess it would be another link onto like the spine of people who can't walk um, or can't move limbs, and having um the link read those uh like neural charges or elect, you know, reading that movement um, or what the brain is wanting to do. Um, and then, and then having uh, that charge um, or that link on the spine, you know, input those, uh, those waves to move the legs and do all these things. That would be insane. Um, and people who can't communicate, you know, can't talk, all that would be uh, pretty huge to do. And I was just like, whoa, can you imagine like if we like if we had another uh, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Hawking and be like, yo, we got you, Stephen Hawking or future Stephen Hawking. We'll just install these links on you and boom. Now you got that crazy brain of yours. And, you know, how about humanity? And you can walk and talk and do all these normal things. That'd be nuts. Um, and they kind of went around. So at this demo, they went around with like a, all these, like a panel of like engineers and scientists and everybody that they have at Neuralink, asking them like what they are most excited about. And um, just some of the things that stood out to me that some of them mentioned was uh, um, being able to store your memories and transfer those. Like we're living in the future, people. Um, like being able to store those memories and then, you know, just access them like if, if you're ever feeling sad or like super depressed and just be able to pull up a, a memory that without fail brings you happiness or joy or whatever would be huge or you know um what is it a degen degener degenerative damn i can't say that brain diseases um alzheimer's dementia all those things that would be crazy be like oh no actually we still have that we can still recall that would be crazy. And um, just that whole concept of uploading and downloading memories would be crazy. And it's it kind of in line with that same thing. Uh, one of the scientists um, said what he was what he was most excited about was uh, understanding consciousness um, and just knowing more about it would unlock and open so many things. And you could look at it in a scary way, too, you know, Um if we are able to better understand consciousness, I guess we could bring about the uh, the rise or AI, you know, as, as we understand it in like a lot of uh, sci-fi movies. Um, but I guess I'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, another another uh, one of the panelists mentioned communication, and so what one of the things um, they'd be able to do is conceptual mind reading. So C-O-N-C-E-P-T-U-A-L, being able to like um, communicate difficult concepts that we um, like just in day to day 
we spend so much brain power trying to distill those uh, thoughts into words and then communicate that. So being able to just one-to-one communicate those concepts would be huge. And I was like, whoa, that would that would help so many things just globally. Like being able to communicate, um, you know, concepts and what you're actually thinking and ideas to like in just in global politics, like applying that there would be, I think, would aid in global politics in general, like so much. And but not only that, but also like having uh like the proliferation of ideas so of just of just ideas in general to places like north korea um to nations in the middle east um and uh to china even like um pushing these philosophies and ideas of uh like self-determination and um things that are kind of prohibited in a lot of these other nations, allowing those to exist without the government kind of controlling that would be huge, huge again for kind of like the um, the progression of humanity, you know, like not blowing ourselves up would help out so much. But yeah, it was just it was a fascinating panel. Um, they were pulling questions from like Twitter and, and other places, I, I assume. Um, and it was just, you just get to listen to all these smart people go on about all these things that you only ever see or have heard about in, in sci-fi movies and things like that. It's pretty cool. Um, but some of the, I guess some of the biggest takeaways from the whole, uh, demo that they had is, uh, Elon kind of wants to have agency and, um, like some sort of control before we get to a whole uh, Terminator-like moment with AI. So kind of, so uh, reaching a symbiosis with technology, as scary as, you know, that sounds to a lot of people. Um, I, that's, I think that's how he views, like, um, how we should approach and, and like, dealing with AI if we reach the singularity, you know, when, whenever we reach the, the combination with technology. Um, and just ultimate unification with it. Like, he wants to get ahead of the curb and not let that shit be like, all right, get rid of all humans. Zorp, 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 zorp. Robots walking everywhere, ready to just nuke humans. Elon's like, nah, son. Um, so I think that those are some of his uh, bigger goals with this. And I think uh, right now what uh, what's... What's kind of um, what are some of the barriers for them to you know m- make this widely available and scalable? Is uh, they want um, to automate the surgical procedure, um, and there's like like there's robots that they use in surgeries now, but because like how many people he would want um, to make this available to uh, to maximize those benefits. And to kind of even the playing field once that technology is available, um, they have to make uh, like the robot. They have to make a robot, the one installing this into your skull, basically. And you can kind of Google what it would look like and all these things. But 
but having enough devices and um, robots and like you know places to have the procedure done um, is gonna is what's gonna uh, I think make it cheaper too, right? Um, so the cost, um, right? I think the cost that they mentioned of wanting it, wanting to get it down to eventually would be um, a few grand. Um, more than two, three thousand, I think, actually. But like to have it be in line with uh, other proce surgical procedures um, that exist, you know. And I would assume, you know, some sort of insurance would come into play here that'd be able to cover at least some uh, fraction of the cost. Or um, I don't know, but you know, if they were able to get it down to you know these thousands that they're saying, I think is pretty good. It's a pretty good goal. Um, especially if they're going to have it be uh, something that's like uh, upgradable, like a phone. So the idea, right, is let's say you get version one. You want to be able to upgrade that little module that you actually do plug in to version two, three, four, five, six, right? Um, and uh, be able to kind of update as you go. So that's... Uh, I think what is holding them up mostly not holding them up but you know that's what's um uh what they're working on i should say so they need to develop that technology further and they were asking scientists you know it's like if you have a background in this this or that or an interest in this this or that you know apply come work for us so they're trying to ramp up their employees um but yeah the, the future is here Neuralink was crazy and I think there's probably a bunch of people who are m way more freaked out about things like this you know um, but I guess because you know having a similar sort of not an implant but using technology to kind of help my biology I, so I have um, I have a continued continuous glucose monitor that I have on me basically all the time I change it, uh, I think it's every 10 days now. Um, but I have this thing on my body that's tracking what the levels of my uh, blood sugar is um, because I'm diabetic. And so then it sends that um, that information to my phone and I get it on my watch. Um, so I guess I'm more welcoming to the idea of having something attached to me that isn't, you know, endemically part of my biology. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, so I guess I'd be earlier in line than some other people, but the future is here, y'all. Elon's about to make us superhuman. Oh yeah, that's one other thing they mentioned actually, like having some sort of heads up display or enhancing vision. <sighs> That'd be insane. And also bring out, bring a lot of questions, but we can deal with those when we get there. Um... Yeah, that's it for this episode, I guess. Um, yeah, nah, that's those are the things I wanted to cover. So we'll leave it there uh, for episode six. Um, visit the website, ieaudiolab.com, if you want to reach out. The email is uh, ieaudiolab at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. <laughs>